Welcome back to season 11, episode 18 of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast, where we bring you the extraordinary lectures from the DocSF experience in 2023. My name is Dr. Stefano Bini, and I will be your host for this podcast. Our next episode, you will hear from Dr. Derek Amanatula about computer vision and the ASC. Please join me as we welcome Dr. Amanatula to the DocSF stage. So I'm here to talk to you about the impact of computer vision in the surgery center. And I really want to talk to two of the really intricate value propositions that the surgery center brings and maybe the places that it's falling down. One is in terms of inventory and the other one is in terms of needed behavioral change. So we all don't dispute this, that the independent of procedure, if you don't need inpatient hospital services, your surgery is moving to an ambulatory surgery center. And that market by 2030 will be $15.3 billion. We're all on board with this trend. But there are other trends and forces that are influencing that despite growth. The CMS has basically demanded transparency, and this may not hit the ambulatory surgery center, but it is coming. In 2021, they mandated that basically you have a list of services in this and the items provided, and that is easily accessible. And that is only going to place increasing pressure on hospitals and ambulatory surgery centers to get really clear about their bottom line and the inventory that they use. So this is a common set of items used in a neurosurgical procedure. It's kind of like a pick list. And if I look at this as a surgeon and now someone trying to innovate in the ambulatory surgery space, I see three things in this list. One, there's a really big cost range between those items. And if I didn't have the list of costs, at the costs in the middle, I might not necessarily know the cost of something that's being offered to me as a surgeon. The other thing is this type of pick list lacks a ton of specificity. What's actually necessary for the surgery? What's sufficient to conduct that surgery safely? And how much of this is actually just the preference of someone that's sitting in the room? And if we're gonna talk about preference, this list also reflects none of what changes as the procedure changes in time. So what else might be needed as this involves? And if we talk about what else might be needed based on procedural necessity, I think we have to talk about unused items. It turns out in every single case, $700 of unused items are just tossed in the garbage. So why are they there? As a surgeon, I look at my staff and say, well, you, you opened the wrong thing. But actually the staff is anticipating my needs. They're responding to my anxiety. And we have to really get down to brass tacks that we're part of that problem. So surgeons, because of culture, habit, anxiety, do a lot of things that disconnect them from the supply chain. If you look at that, if you survey surgeons on the exact same list in their costs, and there's many more items in there, only 77% of surgeons overestimate low-cost items, and they overestimate by 188%. 55% of surgeons underestimate high-cost items by over 30%. The key here is awareness makes a difference. If you just show surgeons what their procedures cost compared to what their peers do, they automatically reduce their cost by 20% per case. 74% of surgeons in this particular study lowered their cost either by just changing their supplies and 37% changed their technique entirely. And at one year, 82% of surgeons were engaged. The key part here is this required zero incentivization, just transparency. So what we need is a simple way to engage surgeons in managing inventory to reduce costs inside surgery centers and in probably inside any sort of operative environment. This is the solution from my company utilizing computer vision. Take information, either using a bar scanner, natural language processing, or computer vision, and we disambiguate what was needed 
from what was opened, from what was actually used in the surgery, and then what was opened over time in order to actually figure out and create a live pick list. So that process, we also introduce a digital whiteboard. And I wanna highlight that introducing technology into the operating room can be used in a multiplex fashion. Because we don't just wanna change the behavior of surgeons related to their inventory, we also wanna change the behavior of people in the operating room. So we replace a whiteboard where we keep track of sponges and gauze, and we get this digital interface where they can now count and do that process really simply. But this board then becomes flexible and we can use this in a novel way. Turns out, transiting information in a surgical team utilizing your words turns out to be really inefficient and wastes a ton of time and has a lot of friction in the operating room. So if we just do the handoff between nurses when you have a shift change or between the scrub tech and the nurse non-verbally utilizing it a digital interface, we can do processes easier. In fact, we can handle that communication by showing maybe what phase of surgery you're in and what the next steps are and what are the anticipated things. So we can use this very flexibly. How much time could we get for doing that? Where is that friction? Turns out we did a study and it was published recently in JAMA Surgery looking at turnover of team members in their communication. And when every time your circulating nurse or scrub technician turn over or change because they need a bathroom break or because they have a scheduled break, it costs you 20 minutes. So utilizing the flexibility of the space in order to deliver an inventory solution, we can save you 20 minutes every time a team member turns over. We can also continue to use this as an inventory-related tool. Everything that's scanned in, you can see the inventory, you can search for it. We can also begin to manage your trays and which trays are utilized and begin to assemble kind of the preferences of surgeons that are now held in sheets and make those alive. This is basically the green dot, the, sorry, the blue dots are what was used in the surgery. The, the, the white ones were the ones that were requested so we can begin to make comparisons. We can also communicate with SPD or supply chain in a totally different way by marking a particular item and showing that it's missing or broken. We can restore communication in a digital fashion across a broken aspect of surgical care. And then we can do what we actually want to do, which is look and calculate the actual cost of surgery and the inventory that was used, create a dashboard so that we can compare procedure to procedure, surgeon to surgeon, and actually get at that pick list that is necessary, sufficient, and determine what's actually preference. The surgeons have to be open to this, but of course, this could drive deep change inside of the inventory management within an ambulatory surgery center. But I don't think the impact of computer vision stops there. Actually, the most valuable thing in the room is not the items. We heard it today. It's the people and how those people conduct their work. We've installed large eight-camera systems inside of hospitals, but we believe we can stream the line this back down to two, maybe even three cameras and begin to understand the work that occurs in this room to drive behavioral change. What do I mean by that? We can actually track where people are, where their proximity is to the sterile field, which objects they deliver. And if you really think about surgery, surgery is actually the motion of objects by highly trained people to specific regions of interest. And if we understand that, that actual utilization, we actually understand the work that's occurring in this space. As we do that, we can begin to assemble basically an understanding of how to make cultural change possible. So we know lean management works. That's why the ambulatory surgery center works. We align people around culture. They do things in a certain manner. We reduce the friction inside of the system. It works. And we can maintain it in a surgery center. But how do we do that better? We get a Six Sigma process. We reevaluate it. We get some cultural change. We try and make the people move. And then we revert back to our old system. Unless you're measuring how the people are doing that, reinforcing that, and then we see later incentivizing it, you can't change it. We know there are huge gains there. We just don't have the tool to measure it and access it. Turnover time is reduced by 43%, less overtime for your staff, and increasing margins is what everyone in this room wants. 
But if we don't begin to measure how the people are performing against our expectations, their own expectations, we can never make this different. We heard already that behavioral incentives work. I'll say that behavioral incentives always have a price. And so we need a system that studies the price as well as the benefit. And so we know that incentives in many systems will change. This is monetary incentives. Those incentives for that behavioral change don't have to be monetary. People want to work on winning teams. So assigning people to the right team is worth something to them. People want time off and time with their family. We heard that from both surgeons as well as team members. So all sorts of incentives could work in this particular environment and drive behavioral change as long as we show people. We heard from, I think, J.P. Warner or from people who cited Peloton. People actually want to know their performance against other people. So as long as we begin to measure that, they will automatically improve. Just like when we had transparency with the surgeons, the surgeons automatically improved. That's our nature when we're in this environment trying to help patients. So this is an example of a dashboard where we can identify outliers in terms of surgical time. We can drill in on those and look at how many sterile field violations, who's present in the room, what inventory was utilized, and we can begin to understand how these outliers drive our behaviors and how these behaviors are associated with increased cost. So with that, I will say thank you and really hope that you see that an objective video data pipeline evaluating the work, both the, inven the people and the inventory that are necessary to do the work is the most critical thing to deliver on the value chain, increasing safety, reducing cost and improving outcomes. Thank you. No, thank you, and uh, appreciate all the speakers being on time, or uh, guests right back on time, but I still want to keep you up here for a second. Sure. <laughs> so I think there's an extraordinary way to think about the use, again, layering technology onto our workflows to improve them. It's been a bit of a theme. We clearly have a lot of opportunity, and it's not by lack of effort. As I was coming up with the idea of this conference and work focusing on outpatient surgery, I spoke to a uh, director of an outpatient surgery site and said, said oh, I'm, we're super efficient, technology just gets in our way. And she's actually not here, so it speaks to itself. I think there's this mindset that there's no way, but there are patterns we can't see, right? That's the whole purpose of applying technology to these that is the whole purpose. I mean, there are patterns that we see really obviously. I showed it in that one. So there's a nurse that walks by that table eight times. And she walks by that eight table eight times and makes eight sterile field violations. It gets really close to the sterile field. In fact, the, the drapes even move. Nobody knows that that occurs. But the behavioral change, if you look at that, is actually move the table one foot over, right? And that the space is inadequate. So there are all sorts of these novel layered insights here. Another one is that circulating nurses are really great in setup and then they spend a lot of time standing around. That's not their fault. If they did a great job, actually they should be standing around. They had everything you needed, everything was ready, and perhaps we should be repurposing or multitasking people to make things go faster. So I think you can reconceive work in the environment. Just to say that it's efficient, I think that that means that you're meeting your bottom line, you're meeting your KPIs. But we saw surgery is a giant black box. We've optimized in the ASC the KPIs of in and out of the ambulatory surgery center in terms of nursing workflow, administrative workflow. But as surgeons, we really absolved ourselves of how to make that better per se. And it really needs, we need to turn, on, turn an eye to our inventory and turn an eye to our teams about how to run them effectively. Yeah, I'll tell you, that last point, turn an eye to our teams run effectively. I spent a lot of time at Casa Permanente and I'll never forget that at one point I joined a team, the company wasn't doing super well. And they started creating these data feedback loops. And we spent a tremendous amount of time figuring out what data point would actually drive a bunch of different behaviors. By the time we got done with this process, this circular feedback loop, the lowest performing group in the whole system was performing at 2x, the highest performing group at the beginning. It was all through data feedback loops. It wasn't particularly heavy handed in terms of what could can be done. It was just saying, look, these guys are doing it better 
or doing it differently and achieving these outcomes, what can you do and, we, and share that information? Talk well, to me about that. I totally agree. So there are systems inside of, we talked to many of the ambulatory surgeons, and they can do eight cases in a room. I can have an administrator go and visualize that room. I can bring my whole team and we can never reproduce it in another environment. What we need is an assembly of the steps that are done visually and digitally inside of that room and hand that to another team to be benchmarked and nudged in terms of their behavior to better performance. This is a cultural change engine. This is a way under which you transfer processes from one surgery to another. I'll give you another particular point. This is really hard to do because the person who's tracking your operative times and tracking the work is a nurse. They're conflicted and they have 4,000 other tasks. Unless you automate these tasks, you'll never have the resolution, the standard deviation of all these times and all these movements. This has to be done objectively. It has to be done by a computer vision, non-surrogate, a machine-learned model, or you'll never collect the data accurate enough to drive this change. And I think we've made the point before, but it's, if you go in and install your system, by itself, it's not gonna do anything, right? It has to be in the context of an entire top-down decision. We're going to move this direction. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you for listening to the Digital Orthopedics Podcast. If you find the talks as incredibly informative and topical as we did, as for example, with this last talk on the use of computer vision, please do share this podcast with your friends and leave us a nice review on your podcast player of choice. It would mean a lot to us if you did.